Hi, Captain John Strife, DEC retired. <laughs> R-E-T period in parentheses. That's got a ring to it, huh? Yeah, it's okay. I'm uh, very, very happy with it. Going down that dirt road. Welcome to Lake Placid, New York's Olympic Village. It's home of the 1932 and 1980 Winter Olympics. Welcome to the show. We are Lake Placid. Brought to you by the Lake Placid News. I'm the editor, Andy Flynn, and we're celebrating all the people that make this one of the best places to live on Earth. Safe care right now. That's what you'll find at Adirondack Health. Many of you have delayed going to the doctor or the hospital during the pandemic, but at Adirondack Health, they've taken specific steps to increase your safety, like streamlining their check-in process, using high-tech disinfectant machines. Bottom line, Adirondack Health makes your safety their top concern. Learn more at adirondackhealth.org. That's adirondackhealth.org. It was a Monday, November 2nd. I was on the phone with John Strife. He spent the past 26 years working for the New York State Department of Environmental Conservation, and he just retired in October. He was the captain of the Forest Rangers for DEC Region 5 in Raybrook for the past 19 years. So we talked about his career and his thoughts on some of the things going on in the Adirondacks right now. Were you always um, in Region 5, or did, or did you, did you uh, work outside Region 5? No, when I, when I was first appointed to the uh, title of Forest Ranger in 1994, I was actually uh, I was first stationed down in uh, Region 3, uh, which is New Falls, but I was actually down in Orange and Sullivan Counties, down towards the Delaware River. Okay, and, and was it in uh, 2001? When, when... It was. It was uh, actually during um, during the days of 9-11, I uh, was prom- promoted to lieutenant, and then uh, later on in the spring of uh, 2002, I was promoted to captain six months later, and that's when I returned. I say returned, having been to Paul Smith College and lived up here, uh, returned to the, uh, the North Country in, two, in uh, spring of 2002. So you're, you're living here. Are you in Saranac Lake? Where, where, do you, where do you live? We live in the lovely town of Duane, out in uh, uh-huh. one, of the, one of the northernmost towns in the park, and uh, where nothing really happens except manhunts and uh, murders and unintended deaths. <laughs> it's nice and pretty up there, that's for sure. It uh, is. We enjoy the solitude. So where did where did you grow up and where did you go to college then? So I, I grew up in uh, Western New York, uh, native of Rochester, New York, and uh, attended Paul Smith's College from 1981 till 1983. And then when I uh, graduated from Paul Smith's College, I wanted to work in the woods uh, in, in the timber industry. So I began as a, uh, they were still calling them lumberjacks back then, to be honest with you, uh, in Tupper Lake. And I worked a few years in the woods as a logger, as a lumberjack, and then uh Got on with International Paper Company, uh, first with one of their mechanized harvesting crews uh, to supply pulpwood to their mills. And then I believe it was about 1987, I was hired as a forest technician, and my wife and I and family uh, moved to Vermont for just under a year. And then we moved back to the Champlain Valley, uh, and I continued that career, rising to the rank of forester with International Paper Company until uh, 1994, when I was appointed forest ranger. So what was it about the woods that, that drew you there? Even though I grew up in, uh, you know, the confines of, uh, you know, Western New York and in, in, in the city of Rochester, uh, eventually moving out to the suburbs, we always had a, uh, a cabin in the Finger Lakes, and we always took our vacations up in uh, up in Ontario, and so uh, very much attached to the woods. And so I'd like to, uh, my father was a, a city firefighter, as was my grandfather and great-grandfather. Uh, my mom was actually from the North Country. She's originally from Dickinson, but I, uh, I'd, I'd like to say that I 
combined my love of the woods with our, uh, you know, our family tradition of firefighting and uh, became a forest ranger. Yeah, certainly that, that service. But it, what was the point where you said, mom and dad, look, I want to spend my life in the woods. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure I ever said that to him, but we were actually on a, uh, we were on a road trip. I was with my mom and dad and I was probably in maybe middle school. And uh, we came up through Old Forge and up through Saranac Lake. And uh, I remember pulling up to the intersection of 86 and Route 30 and my father pointing to Paul Smith College and saying, that's where you go to become a forester. And that was, uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. And so uh, shortly after that, I looked up Paul Smith College and uh, probably within a year or two uh, signed up and, uh, and attended. Uh, and so I, you know, again, my family's very, you know, very much uh, hunting and fishing tradition. And, you know, again, my mom growing up in the North country. So uh, me coming to the Adirondacks and going to college and starting a career in natural resources uh, was not foreign to our family at all. I'm just going to read the, the mission of the DEC. That's probably the last time you want to hear it, but, and then ask you a question after that. Uh, Not necessarily. That's a good one. <laughs> uh, mission of DEC uh, to conserve, improve, and protect New York's natural resources and environment, and to prevent, abate, and control water, land, and air pollution in order to enhance the health, safety, and welfare of the people of the state and their overall economic and social well-being. As a forest ranger, as a captain of forest rangers, how do you see your role in that grand scheme of the mission? Uh, very good question, Andy. And, you know, so again, uh, you know, at first getting out of college and uh, wanting to have a career in the, uh, the timber harvesting industry, uh, which, which I did, and actually uh, uh, retired from International Paper Company after seven years, uh, and then and joined uh, the DC in 1994. I, I looked forward to when I became a forest ranger, you know, working for preservation, working, you know, working in, you know, the forest preserve and, and public safety as well. So, uh, you know, I, I'd had a good career in, uh, in logging and forestry. And I decided that it was, you know, I, I wanted to change avenues and, uh, and, and conserve and protect, uh, you know, the state's bountiful resources and uh, both initially in the Catskills, Southern Catskills and then the Adirondacks. And it's not just protection, but it, it, there's a large education role when you're a forest ranger. There's a um, a, a lot of uh, people work. You, you've got to meet people and educate people, especially if you're in the woods running into somebody like, a, you know, a, a peat fish way back when or somebody on the trail um, sure. and, and talking to them. What was that like for you? Were you a natural people person or, or how did you uh, adapt to that? I, I think I, and I'll say, I think I, uh, I'll, I'll bear my soul here. I, I think I acquired some of those skills very early on, uh, delivering newspapers. And, uh, and if, if you know anything about being a newspaper boy, newspaper girl, you, uh, you know, you, you deliver papers and then you have to collect every week and go to see people and, you know, get the money from them for their subscription, if you will. So those were some of my first PR skills, uh, and with international paper company, we did a lot of, uh, a lot of education, especially on behalf of the Ticonderoga mill. And so that, you know, that kind of uh, continued on in that path. And then uh, obviously, as, as you, you know, we, you know, we rank some of the hats that we wear as forest rangers as, you know, uh, fire control, search and rescue and education slash, you know, law enforcement. They kind of go hand in hand. Education is the first step. And, uh, you know, before you have to write a ticket or before you have to, you know, actually take, uh, you know, take more, more serious consequences. So, you know, being a forest ranger and educating people on, you know, the wise use of the woods and uh, in, in their own safety. Uh, it it kind of came. Uh, it it kind of came naturally after uh, my, you know after after my career. But as captain, did you really have that opportunity, or is it more more the forest rangers, assistant forest rangers, and you were more of an administrative role? 
again, great point. Uh, certainly, you know, as a ranger, as a ranger one, the field ranger, when I worked in region three, we did a lot of outreach. And uh, as, as you know, uh, not only, you know, education of uh, the users, but education of firefighters and those wanting to help us with search and rescue and wildland firefighting. You know, we recruit a lot of people because, as you know, we're a small force. So we, you know, we rely on others to help us out. And, uh, you know, the fire service is, is the backbone of that. So we as rangers go in and, and teach those courses so that, uh, you know, they, they can better assist us. But very much so, even even as a captain and an administrator working in Raybrook, you know, I have the opportunity for a lot of outreach, uh, a lot of uh, interaction with the media on behalf of the, uh, you know, both the Force Ranger Force and the DC, which was actually a high point in my career. So, uh, you know, it, it might not have been one-on-one -on, -one on the trail, uh, but certainly I did enough press conferences and, uh, and outreach as a, uh, as a regional ranger to, uh, to get the word out, uh, depending on what the subject matter was. What do you see going on right now? I mean, with, with the COVID and, uh, and tons of people coming to the Adirondacks, the high peaks, uh, just getting outdoors, but it might not seem like, uh, getting away from people when you're going on some very popular trails. What do you see going on right now? Is it alarming or is it just, you know, this is the way it's been for years as far as uh, overuse and lots of people on specific trails, Eastern High Peaks, for instance? No, I think, uh, you know, I think what we're seeing is, uh, you know, it's, it's never been seen before. And, and I know that the High Peaks have had their high points in the 70s and the 90s. Uh, you know, speaking of that specifically, uh, you know, as, as, a, as a point of conversation, Andy, you know, Dave and I have had these conversations being that's, that's his venue education. And he thinks it's, you know, it's an anomaly and it will subside uh, and he may be right. But obviously, you know, our governor's done a, uh, a very pr productive, very successful job of outreach to, uh, you know, to boosting tourism in the Adirondacks, you know, prior to the COVID, prior to the pandemic in 2020. And then when the pandemic hit, and, you know, people just, uh, you know, they had no other social gatherings to go to. Uh, they, they flocked to the woods, you know, beginning in March and uh, it's not subsided. And so, you know, and, and, and as you know, you know, we, you know, Dave's group and public information and, and, and Roos and so many of our partners at Adirondack Mountain Club and others have been doing trying to do such a job of educating. A lot of times I, 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 we think that they're first time users, you know, being, you know the uh, based on social media, based on people just saying, hey, you know, stay local, hike local. And, um, you know, we're such an avenue to the millions of people from, you know, Philadelphia to New York to Boston, uh, you know, you know, right up the seacoast. Uh, so I think, you know, what we're seeing is obviously not normal. And uh, it was kind of a wave that was coming. And then when the uh, pandemic hit and everyone had, as I said before, didn't have much else to do but get outside, uh, just record numbers once again. Yeah, you know, and just uh, to let folks on the podcast know, Dave, you're talking about Dave Winchell, the public participation specialist from DEC Region Five, who who just retired as well. And he, yeah, thank you. I was I wasn't sure how much you'd be cutting and splicing this, so uh, my apologies. I'm not, I'm not sure yet that. either. <laughs> we'll <laughs> find out. Yeah, I spoke uh, to Dave earlier today, but he did mention that he used the word anomaly. You know that this uh, this may be you know a one time thing, but I I don't know if this goes into next year. And who knows? I mean, what would you have done if the Canadians were actually able to cross the border? I I don't have a good answer for that because we would have been I don't you know we 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 would have thrown our arms up and I don't know what the situation would have been because I you know I think some of the numbers Andy are you know they they, they can be up to fifty percent of our backcountry users, especially here as you referenced in the Eastern High Peaks, and you know we had our hands full literally uh, with just the folks in the states. 
And I don't know what we would have done. And, and believe me, it did not go unnoticed and did not go unappreciated that the uh, international border stayed closed to, uh, to, to our neighbors in the north country, north of us. Can, can you talk to me about some of the challenges facing uh, the forest rangers? Are there enough forest rangers in the Adirondacks? We get, we get a lot of people who've got their own opinion. I'd like to know your opinion. We certainly can use more forest rangers. And we can certainly use more foresters. We can use more folks in operations. Uh, you know, with the attrition going on uh, just throughout the DC, you know, there's 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 vacancies in our EQ programs. There's vacancies, you know, such as Dave Winchell's. Uh, he's you know he's got a team behind him. But uh, you know, we certainly could use more rangers, and we could use more state police. You know, we can use more troopers, and uh, you know, the, the numbers are just down. And I just think we're at such a um, such a juncture right now with the fiscal crisis. Uh, that's, you know, riding the heels of the pandemic. Uh, we've, you know, the, those who are still on the force, uh, they have their work cut out for them. Um, but it's not just rangers. We can use we can use more folks in D.C. and our, you know, and our neighboring, um, uh, you know, our assisting agencies such as the state police, you know, from top to bottom, I'm sure. Yeah. And you can only do so, so much with with what you've got and you've got, you know, budget cuts coming. So um, yeah, people just need to, to brace and say, you know, I, I haven't met anybody who who doesn't appreciate what forest rangers do. Um, no, I, and I, I, you know, I mean, did not, excuse me if I'm cutting you off, but, uh, you know, I tell you, it's one of those great titles that everybody wants to become, you know, so many people love the title and they appreciate our work. And it's just, it's, it, it has actually, you know, between the increased usage and, you know, the, the lower numbers we've been having uh, without an academy this year. And, you know, whether we're seeing an academy next year for forest rangers, I'll keep my fingers crossed and hope we do. Uh, you know, we have to rely on, on, on more education. We have to rely on our partners, uh, you, know, you know, whether it be the state police or whether it be search and rescue volunteers, the backcountry uh, guides that help us out so much in the high peaks, uh, the local fire services I referenced before. Uh, we, it's it's got to be a team approach. I'd like to know um, your opinion on, on limiting access to the eastern high peaks. Some people have said, well, you have to have a, a permit system, and, and that's been debated for many years. From your experience, Sam, do you have an opinion? Um, you know, I, obviously, I'm getting out before anything is uh, is cast in concrete as a retiree. But uh, it certainly seems like something's got to give, and I don't know what that answer is. And certainly, discussions are ongoing on a permit system. Um, once again, just you know, we just had such a uh, you know a, a recipe for uh, you know what went on this past year with the COVID because you know we had we had things in line with the shuttle you know with the shuttle. And, you know, with a better uh, uh, trail up Cascade through Van Hovenberg. So there's some pieces in play that just did not come to fruition due to the pandemic. And once again, the fiscal crisis and, and you know, and, and COVID-19. So, you know, it, it's hard to it's hard to crystal ball. Had they come into play this year in 2020, Andy, would we necessarily need a permit system? And, you know, as Dave Winchell uh, you know, said before, is this an anomaly? Will this subside next year when you can start going to sporting events and social gatherings and that in 2021? So I, you know, we have we have spoken for a while, and uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with doing a test, you know, some sort of a test pilot permit system, and seeing how that works. Um, you know, and once again, we have it's you know we have such a porous system of all of our trailheads, and you know just the uh, the open areas we have, to, you know, to access not only the high peaks but the entire park and public lands. Uh, it you know it, it'll be it'll be a challenge, but uh, it's worth a try if. Uh, if our executive and our land managers decide that we should do that and, and, and our partners as well and the NGOs. Yeah. John, you've had quite a career. Um, what are the, some of the highlights for you? 
certainly be, you know just being a, becoming a forest ranger was just such a highlight in 1994 and attaining that and then obviously uh you know getting promoted to a lieutenant and you know believe me when i was sitting in paulsman's college back in 80 81 through 83 i never thought i'd be back up here and uh driving past my alma mater twice a day to go to raybrook and uh you know and, and be the regional forest ranger in the adirondack park and um and, and have such a, a great team of rangers that uh you know under my command that, that have worked for me um you know certainly the, the the many search you know many large searches the fires that we've had you know the education component the challenges with you know increased use in that um you know just it's, it's a myriad of things that uh, i look back on and you know not everything not everything to our satisfaction there's some you know there's some folks that uh you know we were never located uh, we could never bring closure to their family uh for whatever reason and so that you know that stands out as uh accomplishments not made uh certainly not for lack of effort uh, uh definitely the uh you know the, the, the clinton correctional uh manhunt was a high water mark uh for myself personally but also for the ranger force andy the, the rangers showed in, in those three weeks in june uh, just every attribute they have, whether it be the local knowledge of the ranger in the woods, the ability to, uh, you know, manage a large search and rescue crew being with our, our partners in, in, in corrections, uh, and also our emergency management and the ability to run that uh, search under the state police through the incident command system. So I was just so proud of the work our rangers did and, you know, the cooperation we had with all the law enforcement agencies in the North Country, you know, both local, county, state and federal. Um, and that we never had any uh, any injuries, and, and both uh, both those individuals were individuals were apprehended successfully. I know, and that wasn't your typical search and rescue. This was monumental, you know, historic in a way. But what about what about? Oh, some, please. Oh, I'm just wondering, what about those um, typical quote unquote typical? Not that there really is one uh, search and rescue, like say in the high peaks or something like that. Is there any one that would stand out? Uh, well, in, there, maybe not one, but there were so many. But certainly the uh, the search for Paul Mackay, uh, the you know the captain from the Australian Defence Forces, who came over here and uh, ended up taking his own life, uh, you know, on Scarface Mountain. And uh, you know, a shout out goes out to Scott Van Leer for his tenacious work, and uh, and you know all the rangers that worked on that. Uh, but that was uh, that that was uh, it's not it's you know because of the fatality, it's not a happy moment. But certainly working with the Australian Defense Forces and all the other agencies and bringing closure to uh, to Captain Mackay's family, uh, that was certainly a, a satisfying feeling, and uh, but just a tragedy. And uh, we still recognize that, obviously, with Saranac Lake and Anzac Day and that, and in uh, his efforts. Um, so that was a that was a high point. I you know I, as I thought about today doing this interview, you know, there's so many families we you know there's several families we couldn't give closure to, and one of them being the family of Colin Gillis, uh, who went missing in Tupper Lake a number of years ago. You know, we never, you know, there's, there's, those are things that kind of are in the back of our minds. And I say when, you know, us, the Rangers, the state police, other, uh, other, uh, other partners that, you know, we could just not locate some of these individuals. What's the future like for forest rangers in, uh, in the Adirondacks, do you think? I, I, I think the work is there and uh, I think, you know, the job, the job security is there. Um, and, you know, one thing is, uh, as you, as you look behind you and see who's coming up uh, in the ranks, uh, there's an awful lot of quality people in the Ranger Force, uh, and they're going to they're in the field, or they're becoming supervisors, or they're you know the backfilling the captains, and so I've got great great hope and uh, great pride in the Ranger Force and what they will do. And uh, again, just based on the 
um, the usage, the increased use. Uh, I think what we're seeing, and I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but an awful lot of people are realizing that they can actually telecommute successfully and you know, they don't have to be in a urban environment. They can be up here in the North country and they can work from here and they can recreate up here. So I don't, you know, whether, whether this, the numbers this year are an anomaly for our earlier conversation, uh, we're still going to see strong numbers, I think, with so many people relocating up here and just, uh, you know, trying to trying to uh, enjoy the, enjoy the uh, Adirondack Park. You, know, you mentioned job security. It's because, you know, state forest preserve, state-owned land in the Adirondacks and the Catskills um, is protected by the Constitution. So, I mean, it needs to be protected. And who's going to do that? It's the DEC and the Adirondacks, certainly. And forest rangers right there on the front lines. Do you, over, you know, your time with the DEC, do you, do you see the forest preserve in, in more danger or or, or uh, than or, or or more threatened by uh, outside forces than it, than it was when you started or or is it about the same? I, I think well certainly you know it's it's being uh, obviously it's, it's being loved to death. Um, I don't necessarily see the you know and I, I don't see the threats coming from say timber trespass or encroachments and things like that like you know that was you know that's that's happened over the history of the forest preserve. Uh, you know, beginning with its inception, but it's, you know, certainly the uh, the workload is going to be the amount of people that want to use it. And, and with that, what they leave behind, whether it's trail degradation or garbage or litter or human waste in that, and what to do with, with the masses. Uh, many of us think that we should, you know, be on the forest preserve for solitude. And yet there seems to be a, uh, a, a, a large percentage of people that don't mind seeing, you know, 30 other people on the top of Cascade, obviously. Uh, and that's that's the new norm, evidently. I'm going to ask you a question I asked David. What's the strangest thing you've seen in the woods as far as rescues or searches or anything like that? Oh, <laughs> I, would have, I wasn't ready for that one, Andy. I was, uh, um, I don't know. I'd, I'd have to think think about that. There's, there's, there's been so many. Uh, seriously, there's been, you know, uh, the, human, the human condition and what people do uh, when they're desperate. Uh, I can't. I don't see at the top of my head. I'd love to get back to you on that one. But, uh, <laughs> well, it's not. It, it's, it's not coming to me. There's there's been some bizarre, bizarre things in the in, in the woods, uh, and you know, in, in the North Country, in the Adirondack Park, and in the Catskills, and, and they include fatalities. They include people, you know, desperate to be saved. They include people doing, you know, just very strange things, which are kind of out of the norm. But as I as I sit here and talk to you and look out the window of my office, I, nothing's really coming to me right now. I'm yeah. afraid. Well, it usually stems from people being unprepared, right? Yeah. Uh, or or have a, a different expectation than they, they really don't know what they're getting into, you know, when they go. Um, Dave mentioned a, a guy who went up to Lake Tear the Clouds and thought he was going to uh, fish there and, and eat the fish or, or something like that. He, he, he brought up a, uh, a big... A glass bottle. Yes, the glass bottle with the with the water. That was yeah, just... that was a strange one, and, and you know, again, I don't want to go into naming names, and, and nor could I right now if I wanted to. But uh, you know, we had the we had you know one individual who had her children, and she was trying to basically summit Marcy, and uh, that did not go well towards uh, you know her her Adirondack winter forty six at the end of March. Um, you know, certainly we had the uh, the rescue, and these aren't strange moments, but these are men, you know memorable moments. But uh, the rescue of the two individuals, the young couple from down in the Albany area, off Algonquin a few years ago. Um, and, and again, you know, that just makes me think back to the great cooperation and teamwork we have with New York State Police uh, across the board, but especially with aviation out of Lake Clear and some of the, uh, you know, the, the many lives that have been saved between the teamwork of the DEC Rangers and the, and the State Police. 
Uh, but as far as strange ones, I'll, I'll, I'll hang up the phone. I'll be like, Oh, I should have said that. <laughs> it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not coming to me right now. Although I did, uh, on my very own property a number of years ago, we did, I actually located a deceased, uh, quote unquote angler who'd been missing from the area. And that was, uh, that's probably, that probably actually is one of the strangest things. It was in, uh, after we were looking for David Hayworth down around Round Pond in the, uh, the Dix Wilderness area, we had this individual from the Malone area who was, uh, had been missing. His wife had dropped him off to go fishing. And uh, about 24 hours later, I was in a border patrol helicopter flying over my very own property. And we found him deceased on my property uh, just after we built here. Uh, so that, that was, that's, 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 that'll probably take the cake right there, Andy. Yeah. I, a lot of people thought it was strange. Uh, the, the guy who drove into the Marcy uh, Dam uh, this year, this, this summer. With a Jeep. With a Jeep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and that was actually I was I was actually uh, starting to uh, I was I was semi-retired at that point, but uh, uh, never never underestimate the recreating public. That's for sure. So when was your official uh, last day on the job? Uh, so I, I guess it would have been October sixteenth, and then uh, uh, after that weekend on October nineteenth, I was uh, it was my first day in retirement with the state. And October sixteenth was uh, was uh, as I. As I mentioned, it was a highlight of highlights, and that uh, Assemblyman Billy Jones uh, uh, presented me with a citation from the assembly based on my uh, my work and my career, and uh, that was just uh, very humbling and uh, a great day to uh, step away from the from the office on. Well, congratulations, Captain John Strife, DEC Region Five, retired RET period. Thanks for your time, Andy. Thanks so much, and I look forward to seeing you down the road. For more on this story and the latest news in sports from New York's Olympic region, check out the Lake Placid News. We're on stands now. Or, if you insist, check us out online at www.lakeplacidnews.com. Special thanks to Dan Bergren for providing our music. Learn more about Dan and his fascinating story, a life in radio, education, and folk music at bergrenfolk.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Andy Flynn, editor at the Lake Placid News. We are Lake Placid.